0: Welcome, everybody, to Surveillance Report 40. We're getting close to that 50 mark, really close. Um, Today, you're going to learn about the latest advancements in the world of privacy and security to help maintain your safety. This stuff's really hard to keep up with, and that's why we're here. This report's going to recap some of the most notable events in the last week, from a couple of pretty unusual data breaches, to the Signal Messenger's amazing Facebook campaign, and a plethora of some important research that you should actually know about. It's pretty cool stuff. There's also a lot more, so just get ready. Today's a pretty fun report. I am Henry from TechLore.
1: I am Nathan from The New Oil
0: and today's report is brought to you by our wonderful supporters we have over 100 supporters on patreon major shout out to our top supporters connor kenny brian justin bratty princess cj cypher mitchell and rob who are the largest supporters and they allow us to do so many wonderful things that we're just beyond fortunate for we have several tiers on patreon where you can have your name listed on our website and all of our videos and if you don't like patreon which is totally understandable we have one-time donation methods even accepting monero you know, like the shirt, get get some Monero people. Um, and we have lots of other free support methods. And just, there's lots of ways to, to support us. Check out the description in the show notes if you want more details on how to support us so that we can keep doing this stuff for free. And without further ado, I'm going to pass it to Nate for the data breaches this week.
1: Thank you, Henry. All right, so this week, we're going to start off with Turgensek, who found 345,000 files from the Filipino Solicitor General's Office were exposed. This included... Sensitive information about ongoing legal cases, as well as passwords, training documents, payment information, and more. The files were fortunately taken down, but unfortunately, they have confirmed that the files were accessed by an unknown third party. So, we will see what comes of that. Our next data breach is a pretty big one that you may have heard about. It's from Peloton. Peloton is a high-end exercise company known for their smart devices like treadmills and stationary bikes, but they also have subscription-based digital exercise classes, and as you can imagine, this company became extra popular during quarantine when everybody was locked inside and still trying to socialize and stay in shape and all that fun stuff. Researchers found an exposed API that could allow an attacker to access a Peloton user's age, gender, city, weight workout statistics and if it was the user's birthday which that last one is kind of oddly specific but uh yeah they could find all that even if it was the profile was set to private which are the researchers that found this they reported the leak on january 20th but it still hasn't been fixed although peloton did at least uh patch it up a little bit so now you have to be a member in order to to access that it's like a members only thing although anyone could sign up for a membership so they didn't really fix that
0: I don't think Jonah, our community manager, watches all these surveillance reports. Jonah definitely has a Peloton. So oh, no. this is going to be a little inside joke. If you're watching this and you're in our communities, I want you to ping Jonah and say that you found his data in the Peloton breach. <laughs> I want, like, 10 people <laughs> to do this. All right. He's not going to know where it comes from, <laughs> and it's going to be great. Just let us tr- He's a big troll, so I want to troll him back for once.
1: <laughs> unrelated. Apparently, uh, Biden has one as well. So...
0: Ooh. So yeah, we can, we can say that <laughs> Jonah Biden is actually out biking Jonah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Come on, man. You're going to let an old man beat you. Okay. So our first of two unusual data breaches that we hinted at earlier, Amazon suffered a data breach of over 200,000 people, which is unfortunately in and of itself, not unusual. What is unusual is that this data breach seems to implicate these users in fake product review scams. So the data included somewhere between 200 and 250,000 users. It had names, email addresses, PayPal details, Amazon profile links, WhatsApp, and Telegram numbers. And more importantly, the records of direct messages between other users and these users who were being paid for their fake reviews. So basically, they got all the evidence. So uh, yeah, uh, like I said, like the actual Amazon database leaking isn't really too unusual, sadly. But it, it, there was a little twist with this one. That was interesting. And our second unusual data breach and our last data breach this week comes from the U.S. physics lab, lab Fermi Lab, which is a physics and particle accelerator lab, uh, particle physics and particle accelerator. So kind of like the Large Hadron Collider that many of you may have heard of. Uh, this one was discovered by researchers who were pen testing Fermilab, and they found multiple entry points into the system that could have been abused to get sensitive information like experiment data, credentials, and even project tickets that had sensitive attachments in private communications. So fortunately, they disclosed this to Fermilab, who very quickly patched this up. But yeah, that, uh, that was a scary one.
0: And that summarizes all our data breaches. We're going to move on to companies now, and we're going to start with Signal Messenger, the secure messenger, which I feel like we flip-flop good and bad news every week with them. So this week, it's mostly, it's not good or bad, but pretty much Signal tried to put out an advertising campaign on Facebook to try to outline some of the invasive tracking technology that, that that's involved with the advertising industry. So if you're watching the video, you're going to see the screenshots of them essentially describing the person that they're trying to target. So this one says, you got this ad because you're a newlywed Pilates instructor and you're cartoon crazy. You're into parenting blogs and thinking about LGBTQ adoption. So these are very oddly specific things that are actually targeted towards people, and the the goal is almost just trying to expose how invasive Facebook can be. Now, I, I, I Nate, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think any ads were actually ever run. I think that their account was blocked and disabled by Facebook before any account any any ads were actually sent out. Am I wrong there?
1: I'm not sure but I I think you're right. I I haven't heard of any of them actually being run. Got I, it. I heard that Facebook flagged all these and suspended their account immediately.
0: Got it. Yeah, so if if you're on uh, the video, I'm sure you can see some of these up on the screen, but if you're listening to the podcast, definitely check out the sources. And you have to look at these to really take in, I guess, how they work and what they look like. But they're very creative, and it's a really cool ad campaign. And it's cool that Signal
1: tried to expose that through Facebook. They really went for, in my opinion, they kind of went for the jugular in in some situations. Like uh, some of the more troubling data points that they exposed were like a certified public accountant in an open relationship. Like I'm not a CPA, but I would imagine that's not exactly a a job field that is friendly to that kind of thing. Or like you mentioned, the thinking about LGBTQ adoption, uh, there was one that said like uh, you're into drag or something like that, like you know dressing in drag and just things that like man, that's not necessarily stuff you want everybody knowing. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but it's like that's not stuff you necessarily just want to share with the whole world. You
0: you, know? you missed the most the most glaring one. You've supported Cardi B since day one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, that is truly the most that egregious is... thing that I would not tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but, uh, but yeah, to each their own, yeah. Um, yeah, no, no it's <laughs> music's personal taste. Um, sure. Um, for con- a little bit more context, too, remember that WhatsApp, which is one of Signal's main competitors, is owned by Facebook. So that's kind of another layer to this. It's kind of an indirect attack against WhatsApp as well.
1: But first, we'll continue talking about Facebook. And Facebook is allowing very questionable ads to target teenagers. So there's a watchdog group called the Tech Transparency Project. And they found that despite the rules and uh, assuming technological barriers that are in fact put in place, they are in place, they're just not very good. Facebook has allowed ads for alcohol, drugs, gambling, smoking, and eating disorders to be shown to teenagers. And I'm assuming by eating disorders they mean like things that would perpetuate an eating disorder. I really hope that nobody's out there just showing ads for anorexia or something. But anyways, that pretty much says it all. The Facebook has actually been caught doing this as far back as 2014, and it is still going on. They do have policies in place that are supposed to catch this, and I'm assuming technological barriers as well, but it unfortunately seems like either they're not taking it seriously or they need some more work. And let's talk about WhatsApp real quick. We mentioned we'd get to them. So earlier this year, WhatsApp announced that they were going to make some changes to their privacy policy in order to share more data with Facebook, or more realistically, they were going to admit to sharing that data. This, as many of you may remember, prompted a huge backlash and caused a lot of users to jump ship and go to services like Signal or Telegram. Unfortunately, Facebook's latest earning report suggests that even despite this big backlash, WhatsApp has actually grown 3.3 billion users in 2021. WhatsApp has also changed their approach regarding this rollout. So originally it was supposed to happen in February. They pushed it back to May. Uh, I insist that this was probably just to let all the heat simmer down either way they've they've changed their approach before they said that if you didn't agree to the terms of service you wouldn't be able to use it they would delete your account or basically make your account useless now they've changed it to say that they'll remind you to accept the terms of service and until you do they're just going to start slowly stripping away your functionality of the app so the longer you go without accepting the more useless the app is going to become that's uh pretty coercive.
0: And our next article is going to talk about Google. So uh, for Android users, you have the Google Play Store. Apple users, you have the iOS App Store. And Apple recently introduced all those new privacy labels on iOS, which uh, were just the huge news for especially, I think it's iOS 14 is where this really started to escalate. So Google has announced that they will be introducing a similar app listing with privacy info starting next year. Now, this is a very, very slow rollout. If you're looking at the video, I'm sure I'm going to include a screenshot here, which says there's a pre-announcement, which just happened right now. Policy is going to be available in quarter three. Quarter four, developers can start declaring their information. But the deadline for this isn't until quarter two of 2022. So you're probably not going to start actually seeing this in your applications on the Google Play Store until probably this around May next year. And our next story is also Google-related, and it's pretty straightforward. So Google is now automatically enrolling users in two-step verification. So this should ideally increase the security on people's accounts. I know some people might be a bit concerned about that because they might think it's a privacy concern because it might be through phone numbers and it might be a tactic for Google to get people's phone numbers. I don't think that's what's happening here. I think most people already have their numbers through Google and they're just requiring this now to to improve people's security. There's a quote here from the article. I think this is directly from Google. Soon we'll start automatically enrolling users in two-step verification if their accounts are appropriately configured. So you can check the status of your account in our security checkup tool. So, yeah, if you want to see if, if, you're, if you can qualify for this, you should already enable it yourself. But you can check if you're going to uh, automatically get it by going to the security checkup section. I just don't know what
1: appropriately configured means. And we're gonna close out the company section by talking about Apple. First up, we have some good news. So uh, Apple iOS 14.5 came out, uh, man, what, about a week ago? And one of the big things that it had was app tracking transparency, which means now all apps have to show you a little pop-up that says, do you want to allow this app to track you individually? New data suggests that only 4% of iOS users in the US are saying yes, yes. 96% 96% of people are saying, no, please do not stalk me. And I think that's amazing. And it shows, in my opinion, that people do care about their privacy. I think a lot of people just don't know how to, to defend their privacy or what steps to take or how to get started. So yeah, I, I think personally, I think this sends a message. And our last story, unfortunately, is not so much so much good news. Uh, Apple Watch is probably going to have the ability to monitor your blood pressure, blood glucose, and blood alcohol level in an upcoming update. So I I understand how that could be very useful to some people, especially if you're susceptible to high blood pressure. But uh, definitely be aware of this. This is a potential privacy issue if that's not a service that you have need of. And be sure when that rolls out to disable that if you use an Apple Watch. All right, let's roll into research. So last week we talked about Experian. And basically, Experian's credit freeze is still easily unfrozen. When you freeze your credit, Experian is the only one that still sends you a PIN. And unfortunately, if you try to unfreeze your credit and you say, I lost my PIN, they'll ask you a bunch of questions. They'll be like, oh, okay, no problem. Here's a bunch of questions. And unfortunately, almost all of those questions can be easily found through social engineering and Googling and stuff like that, which undoes the whole point of the credit freeze. That's something I I don't harp on a lot. I I always harp on freezing your credit, which I totally think you should if you're an American or you're with one of these credit agencies that will allow you to do that. The part I don't usually talk about is to also add a fraud alert, which is kind of like a two-step for your credit freeze. Um, Like I mentioned, Equifax and TransUnion have moved away from the... uh, The PIN based system, and now they require you to create an account. Experian is still using the PIN, so they are still more susceptible to this. So if you freeze your credit, which again I think you should, make sure to get the fraud alert as well, which unfortunately that one you have to update every year. It doesn't just stay on like the credit freeze does, but it's also free and you only have to do it with one agency and they spread it around to the other ones. So
0: yeah. Our next story goes to schools and students and children. You know, we're actually going to talk about how privacy impacts children here. And for those of you, this is probably not a big surprise to a lot of people, but a lot of the software and the, the tools that schools use are can be pretty invasive towards students. And here's a good article talking about that. So the headline of this is 60% of school apps are sending student data to potentially high risk third parties without knowledge or consent, according to new research from me To Be Alliance. And... As you could expect, a lot of this has to do with applications and SDKs, which is where a lot of these problems seem to come from. So a lot of these schools probably aren't aware that maybe the apps they use have advertising platforms like Google and Facebook built into the applications. So some of the main stats here, on average, there are more than 10 third-party data channels per application. Another one is public school apps are more likely to send student data to third parties than private school apps, so 67% of public versus 57% of private school apps. 18% of public school applications included very high-risk third parties, so third parties that would further share student data with possibly hundreds or thousands of networks, so... Yeah, it's pretty invasive. And the last main bullet point is Android apps are much more likely than iOS apps to be sending data to third parties and are much more likely to be sending to high versus very high-risk third parties. I guess just to summarize that, just keep in mind that schools do not fully understand the privacy risks that they put their students in front of, right? This is still an ongoing thing. We hear stories all the time about students who are put in jeopardy. Their data is put in jeopardy because of this kind of stuff, so... If you're a student, try to avoid installing any applications on your phone. Try to keep everything compartmentalized inside its own browser or ideally inside its own virtual machine or computer. That's my advice to students out there. Our next story is going to move on to the car world. So there has been a new attack. It's a zero-click exploit that impacts specifically Tesla vehicles. So this pretty much involves taking a drone that flies over a parked Tesla car and it, it can spoof... The Wi-Fi signal and force a firmware update that gives the the attacker complete control of the infotainment system. So they can do things like change AC levels, change some of the settings of the car, though nothing is impacted in regards to the driving ability of the car. So it's not like it can override, you know, how someone's driving. Also, this is done with a parked vehicle. And my guess for that is because Wi-Fi is disabled by default once the Tesla starts driving. So this attack probably wouldn't work with a driving car, um, unless someone manually enabled it once the car starts driving. But yeah, either way, it's been patched. It was patched in October. But this is just another example of how advanced these vehicles
1: are becoming. And our next research story concerns the risk of phone number recycling with mobile carriers in the U.S. So I'm going to quote a couple pieces from the article. They said that most of the available phone numbers we sampled – Uh, 215 out of 259, to be exact, were recycled and also vulnerable to at least one of three attacks. There was personal information indexing, account hijackings via recovery, and account hijackings without password reset. So personal information, personally identifiable information indexing was like people search site hits so they could get these phone numbers and then look the phone number up online and say, oh, this phone number used to belong to so-and-so. Account hijackings via recovery would be when they were... both of the account hijackings basically were when they were able to uh, take over the account because they had a phone number that was associated with the account. Uh, they said that we, quote, we obtained 200 recycled numbers for one week and found 19 of them were still receiving security or privacy-sensitive calls and messages, example, auth- authentication passcodes, prescription refill reminders, et cetera. Uh, I'm sure anybody who's gotten a phone number in the last few years or ever is familiar with that i i know um the last phone number i got was for years was getting phone calls for other people who used to have the number and unfortunately that's a pretty common thing so the moral here is if you um i i do use burner numbers through my pseudo i have like one or two pseudos that are specifically reserved for like i burn them every single month and start over and those are just for you know calling to see what time the store closes and stuff But uh, if you have numbers that you actually rely on for like health or work or something important like that, and you decide to update that number for whatever reason, make sure you update it with everybody, you know, make sure that you make a list or keep a list of all your different accounts, who needs it, who needs to be updated, because yeah, I certainly would not want some random stranger getting my prescription refill reminders. That does not sound fun. All right. And then we got a couple more quick stories here in the research section. We have a patch that was issued to tackle critical security issues in Dell driver software. So a researcher found vulnerabilities in the BIOS of certain Dell softwares that had been there since 2009. Fortunately, there's no evidence they've been used in the wild. But the lesson here is to keep your BIOS and your firmware updated. Our next story, I'm
0: going to open up with saying you should read it yourself in the sources because it's that good. Uh, but we're gonna quickly summarize it here. So the accelerometer is something that's found on most mobile devices. It's been there for a long time. It's how you can turn your phone and it turns and it does lots of cool things. You can shake your phone and it knows you shook it. That's the accelerometer. And unfortunately, I'm sure some people already knew this, but there's some been more thorough research that covers how um, the accelerometer can be used for many different types of tracking. So I'm going to quote the abstract here. We found that accelerometer data alone may be sufficient to obtain information about a device holder's location, activities, health condition, body features, gender, age, personality traits, and emotional state. Acceleration signals can even be used to uniquely identify a person based on biometric movement patterns and to reconstruct sequences of text entered into a device, including passwords. Yeah, so just cool stuff, not likely to impact you, but their whole call is to try to bring some awareness to this so that there can be some mitigations from this happening in the real world so it won't impact people, hopefully.
1: And our last research story, millions of people in the UK are at risk of using insecure routers. There's a security company called Witch... And they have determined that as many as 7.5 million Brits are potentially using old, outdated routers with significant security vulnerabilities. And that's not, you know, the people aren't updating them. That's the company hasn't made an update since 2016. You know, the company doesn't support this router anymore. So remember, get stuff that gets updated. Keep an eye on that stuff. And when it's at the end of life, it you know, I'm not one of those people that like, hey, there's a new iPhone out, go buy it. But, you know, when your stuff gets to end of life and it doesn't update anymore... The minute my phone stops getting updates, I'm getting a new one. So updates are important, man. Stay on top of those.
0: And uh, let's go ahead and move into the politics section. And we're going to start out again moving over to the car world. So U.S. Customs and Border Protection has – people pretty much discovered that they had a contract with a company called MSAB. It's a half-million-dollar contract. And what they do is they do vehicle forensics. So they're purchasing vehicle forensics kits in order to start analyzing some of the data that comes from vehicles. And this is pretty invasive stuff. So it can this includes things like recent destinations, favorite locations, call logs, contact lists, SMS messages, emails, pictures, videos, social media feeds, navigation history, blah, blah blah. I mean it, it even gets as specific as like what, what doors open at what time periods, when the lights turn on inside the car, gear shifts. Pretty much every possible thing that happens in your car is somehow collected. Um, this is just another FYI. We've been talking about car stuff for a long time now. I've been screaming for like the last two years that this is the next big thing. And I feel like it's finally starting to get into the wild. Now, one interesting thing, uh, if you want to know like how common this is, because some people think, oh, this is just a Tesla problem. In fact, if you go to the website, the MSAB website, this doesn't even work on Teslas. This isn't a Tesla problem. The companies that this works on, the car manufacturers, this works on Audis, BMW, Buick, Cadillac, Chevrolet, Chrysler, Dodge, Fiat, Ford, GMC, Hummer, Hyundai, Kia, Infiniti, Jeep, Lincoln, Mercedes-Benz, Maserati. That's right, Maserati's too. Uh, Mercury, Nissan, Pontiac, Ram, Saturn, Seat, Skoda, SRT, Toyota, and Volkswagens. So, yeah, every new car on the road. But one thing that I do want to definitely note is... A lot of this, like SMS messages, call logs, favorite locations, that's all from your phone. So if you're not hooking up your phone to your car, they're not going to be able to collect that information. So I'd say, you know, I'm just going to throw a random number out there, like 50% of the data that can be collected here is just by syncing up your phone to your car. So if you want to avoid a big, big majority of this, just don't hook up your phone to your car. You know, uh, most cars still have the aux cable to still be able to play things from your phone.
1: All right, our next story is a real quick one. The IRS has secured an order to serve Kraken with customer data requests on cryptocurrency traders. So this is not really, in my opinion, a huge or shocking story. The IRS has ordered the cryptocurrency exchange Kraken to hand over customer data on customers who have traded at least $20,000 since 2016. There does not seem to be any indication that they are targeting anyone specifically, and they don't seem to be targeting Kraken, like they're not trying to put pressure on Kraken. I would honestly say this is probably just the IRS trying to make sure that nobody is cheating on their taxes or tax evasion or something like that. Just um, don't mess with the money, man. That's what brought down Al Capone. That's, (laughs) that's what brought down. uh, Isn't that what Epstein was arrested for the last time? Like, just don't mess with the money. (laughs) Um, Our next story heads over to Massachusetts
0: where pretty much some people are putting in some new rules for police so that they can't use facial recognition as invasively. So, that now now police must have a court order before they can compare images to the database of photos and names held by the RMV, the FBI, or the state police. Uh, this new legislation also requires law enforcement to document their searches, and eventually statistics on their searches will be made public. So whether or not the information will be disclosed to defendants is a question that's been put off to future legislation and a new commission. So overall, this is just calling for a little bit more transparency in how this is used, and it creates um, at least some more checks and balances of how facial recognition can be used in Massachusetts. So it's overall a good win.
1: And then I don't know if you want to keep it, but there's a uh, that second line, states push back against use of facial recognition by police. It's basically a similar story from Associated Press, but it just focuses on multiple states instead of just Massachusetts. So
0: Oh, I didn't see that, that was a different story. Yeah, if you want to quickly... Sorry. If you want to quickly go over that. Yeah, I missed that.
1: I mean, that's basically all there is to it is um, it's kind of the same thing. It's just talking about how different states are trying to, you know, either ban facial recognition or start putting in stronger safeguards and regulations for it. So got it. Yeah. This next story, actually, for me, I learned about this story today, but it looks like it may have broken yesterday. The Colonial Pipeline suffered a cyber attack that has shut it down, and this pipeline supplies 45% of the East Coast's fuel. This is our last story for the U.S. here in the politics section. The title basically hits up all the major points. Pipeline provides 45% of the fuel for the East Coast. It also, interestingly, supplies a lot of oil and petroleum products for the U.S. military. So at this point, we don't have a lot of details. This may have been an intentional strike by a nation state targeting the military. Or, you know, this could have just been somebody looking for a quick buck. I, I mean, it's like I said, it's too early to tell. But uh, yeah, they have a map on this article of the pipeline. It stretches all the way from New Jersey to eastern Texas. So I am going to go fill up my car after this before we hit shortages and price hikes. And now we're going to start going international. We're going to start in Canada, where the Canadian government is accused of trying to introduce internet censorship. So take this article with a grain of salt. Uh, I posted, I think we linked the slash dot version. Um, I, I usually try to go straight to the... Original source, but admittedly, this original source is a little bit... uh, um, They're biased. Let me just put it that way. They are very clearly biased. So take it with a grain of salt. Uh, To quote the Slashdot article, they said, The government of Justin Trudeau is now pushing Bill C-10, a law that would see Canadians subjected to the most regulated internet in the free world. This includes a provision that could conceivably allow the federal government to order the deletion of any Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, or Twitter upload made by a Canadian. So... Yeah, if you're Canadian, keep an eye on that, because that is um that is pretty intense.
0: Our next story moves over to the Netherlands, where a city oh man. I'm so sorry if you're Dutch. And and Shetty and and, and shitty I, I I don't know. I, I, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm doing my best here. But it's a city in the Netherlands, which was caught using Wi-Fi tracking across the city and they've now been charged... Oh, man, this is embarrassing. I believe those are... Are those euros? The I believe so, yeah. 600,000 euros. <laughs> just, I, I'm just an ignorant American. I'm so sorry. Um, but, yeah, pretty much this... A Dutch city was caught using Wi-Fi tracking. They, everything was publicized. There was a ton of PR around it, and now they've been fined um, by the Netherlands. <laughs> Who are they...
1: <laughs> i don't know when i saw you recovering that one i kind of
0: yeah I, I, yeah like, i'm, I'm it, it's I'm not a very well written article so like it feels like it was almost translated which is why i like it, I, it was
1: translated they um they do say that at the top that's what they have a link to the original article but they like ran it through google translate so you know because it's, it's very weirdly written it
0: just says dutch privacy law oh netherlands data protection authorities So the DPA of Netherlands uh, was the person who executed that. So, yeah, that's
1: that story. Okay, our next story takes us to Belgium, where the government network has gone down due to a massive DDoS attack. So I said this before, and I said it wrong. Thank you for the person who called me out. DDoS is distributed denial of service, not dedicated. And it's distributed because it is distributed among various devices and then all focused on one source which is where i got the dedicated part from so a distributed denial of service attack knocked off both internal and public facing systems and websites affecting more than 200 government organizations ranging from tax portals to school it systems and that's kind of all there is to that story but yeah just uh just remember man cyber attacks are getting cheaper and easier and you know no one is safe unfortunately And then our last political story, uh, man, I hate to end on a bad bad note, but we're going to go to Australia, where the Australian Criminal Intelligence Commission believes that there is no legitimate reason to use an encrypted communication platform. So this is just another smear campaign from the government. And I'm not picking on Australia, the US does it, the UK was doing it just before they were. It's, you know, all governments, they're trying to attack encryption and make it sound like normal people don't need to use this this is only for criminals if you're using this what do you have to hide blah 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 they're just trying to make people comfortable with not having their civil liberties and their privacy so you know yeah
0: and speaking of civil liberties let's move over into the free and open source section Foss news so we're gonna open this week with the Brave browser who has introduced a new feature called Brave Playlist. <laughs> this, is, this is pretty cool, all right? <laughs> like, hear me out. So like, if you're our, this is only on iOS for now, but if you open Brave and you open a YouTube video or any kind of content, it could be SoundCloud audio, it could be a random MP3, you're gonna be prompted to add it to a playlist and it's going to download it offline. So you can pretty much like load a queue of 10 different video audio files that can run and play in the background. So it could almost be like a way to just listen to things in the background. You can cue a whole album for something. Um, This is really cool. Now, the one thing that came to mind is I wonder if YouTube's ever going to take action against this because Brave now blocks ads on YouTube. They allow background playback for YouTube videos, and you can pretty much cue YouTube videos now on Brave for iOS. They're almost completely replacing YouTube premium features. So I wonder if YouTube's ever going to get pissed off at Brave for that. But I'm not complaining. Like, this is some really awesome functionality.
1: Our next FOSS story, we're going to continuing the theme of music. Actually, we're going to talk about Audacity. Audacity is a digital audio workstation that uh, apparently I got a lot of heat for this opinion. I think it's very limited in its uses. It's definitely got good uses. It's not a bad program by any means, but you know, it's It's not good.
0: It's it's not good.
1: Okay, it's if if you know anything about audio, I I don't
0: know much about audio production, it's not good. (laughs) Okay.
1: Nate, we gotta People on Reddit got really mad at me for saying that.
0: (laughs) I fight people all the time because people tell me just use GIMP instead of Photoshop. These people just don't understand that like Photoshop has valid things that GIMP just doesn't. It's the same thing with Audacity. It's the same thing with a lot of these open source alternatives to like valid professional tools. If you don't use it like a professional, you're not gonna notice. If you're using it professionally, you're gonna notice the
1: the, the missing pieces. I was going to say, that's actually a great point, like a great example, because as somebody who's not like a hardcore video editor, GIMP works great for me. But yeah, I've, I've used Photoshop before, and I could definitely tell, like if I was a professional photographer, I would want Photoshop. And same thing, like as a professional audio person, Audacity will not cut it for 10 seconds. Although apparently it does have some things it does really well. Like apparently it does batch file conversion, which is really cool. Yeah, we're, like, we're not saying Protons don't can't use say it. That.
0: Well, now we might because of the, Actually, wait, have you have even got to the story yet? I'll, I'll let you finish. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, it is, no, it is great if you're a beginner and you're just trying to learn the basics of audio. And if all you need to do is capture audio and do some basic cutting and, and slicing and you know some basic compression, it's great. But yeah, for heavy-duty stuff, I wouldn't record an album on it. But anyways, Audacity is now app- adding Google telemetry. So there is good news. There's a couple of pieces of good news. First of all, this has not yet been confirmed. And secondly, this is going to be opt-in. The bad news is that it will almost certainly be added, and I mean, the other piece of bad news is even though it's opt-in, this is still like Google telemetry. So it turns out I did some digging on this because somebody had mentioned it again on Reddit. Audacity was bought out last month, actually, by a brand new company called Muse Group, who my fellow musicians who are listening may know because Muse Group also owns Ultimate Guitar. So it looks like Muse was created kind of like a holding company to hold these different uh you know audacity and ultimate guitar and there was one other one I can't remember but it looks like this is mainly just an effort by them to monetize audacity. So unfortunately not not everything has to be monetized like I mean I get it I'm I'm sure audacity is not cheap to maintain but man this just feels like such a betrayal of everything they've done so far because it is open source. Maybe somebody will roll out like a fork that doesn't have the telemetry. So who knows? Hopefully I'm sure that's, that's always an option. And our, our final FOSS story, pretty quick one. KeyPass 2.48 has been released. So if you are a KeyPass user and you use any of the forks, like key XE is a really popular one, or um, what is it? Like DX is the Android version. Anyways, if you use any of the forks, just keep an eye out for an update to roll out in the near future. And now we're going to move into our misfit section. This
0: one is pretty off topic, but I just found it so hilarious. I just had to throw it in. So there were some emails that have come out due to, I think, the Epic lawsuit, actually. But pretty much there (laughs) there was an email sent from Steve Jobs. Let me give some more context here. This was back when they were trying to figure out how to integrate Facebook with the iPhone. So this was like, okay, are we going to to include a Facebook app into iOS? What are we going to do? Because I don't know if it's still there, but Facebook used to be in the iOS settings. Like you log into your Facebook account inside the iOS settings. I don't know if it's still like that. But yeah, pretty much there was some integration there. And so there was an email that was captured by Steve Jobs where he was pretty much uh, turning down some of the requests from Facebook. And he specifically refers to Facebook as fece book <laughs> in, in one of the emails because he he always thought that Facebook was just complete garbage. And so he had no issue just calling, calling it fece book. <laughs> so I just thought that was funny. Um, It kind of ties into some of the Apple Facebook feuding that's going on. It's been happening since 2011.
1: I bet that nickname is going to catch on in the privacy community now.
0: Yeah, I'm going to start using it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Our next story. According to Google statistics, a percentage of user... uh, Excuse me. As a percentage of user time, between 95 and 99% of user time on the web is now encrypted. So basically, for all intents and purposes up to 95% or at least 95% of the web is now encrypted for the average user, which is amazing. And of course, we're talking about HTTPS here, TLS, SSL. Um, Unfortunately, we're not talking about end-to-end encryption necessarily, but still, that's great. And it has been many years in the making, but we're finally here where over 90% of user web time is encrypted. And our last story, I just think this is a fun story that you guys would appreciate A hardware hacker broke the DRM on a mini dishwasher. So there's a small, like, countertop dishwasher called Bob. It can hold about, I think they said about a dozen dishes. And it comes with a DRM chip to ensure that you only use the expensive proprietary detergent pods. Well, an awesome hacker found a way to modify the code in the chip And additionally, found a way to refill the pods with a cheaper but almost identical generic. So, between these two things, you can reset the wash count on the chip, and then you can refill the pods. And he says you can save up to 98% on your washes, which is awesome. And... I just, I got to throw it out there. If you guys have not read, uh, unauthorized bread, it's a short story, which I think he turned into a full novel. I haven't read the novel. I've only read the short story, but it's a short story by, uh, Corey Doctorow and it talks about exactly this and it is so good and I 100% recommend it, but yeah, this, this was just a great story and I hope it, uh, leaves you guys with a smile on your face.
0: And with that said, that was all of the news for SR40. And, you know, we had some pretty fun stuff this week. The Misfits were pretty fun. We have some new cool Brave features, all the Audacity stuff, which I think kind of, uh, you know, we both use, we both have used Audacity at one point. So that kind of hit a nerve with us. Um, There's key pass (laughs) updates, uh, a lot of political news, car news, Tesla's. Uh, students who are being invaded and some interesting data breaches, Instagram ads, and Signal. Lots of fun stuff this week. It's been awesome. And I'm sure next week we're going to get some more updates to a lot of these stories. And you got to make sure you subscribed on either YouTube or the podcast. It's all in RSS if you want to use just your RSS client. We're also on Spotify. We're everywhere. So just add us. And definitely tune in to next week because it's going to be awesome. Once again, these reports are brought to you by our supporters. Uh, There's lots of cool perks, and you don't have to support us to support us. There's free ways to support us as well. Um, Yeah, just check out our support page, and also go check out Nathan's website as well, The New Oil. He has his own support methods as well, so you can support both of us. We kind of do a co-host thing here, and uh, definitely throw some support Nate's way as well. Um, And once again, we want to thank you for listening to The surveying Support, and thank you for listening, and see you next week.